All right, if you guys want to turn to Judges chapter um, 13, we have a lot of scriptures to read tonight. Um, basically, we were talking about last week about how like <clears throat> in the time that the Lord gives me an opportunity to share with you guys, I want to talk about just what it means to be a man of God, because um, what the world needs right now, it, it doesn't need religious people it doesn't mean it doesn't need people that speak one way and live another way the world needs people that are that are men and women of God to stand up and to live their lives for God not only why people are watching but when we're alone where people can't see us you know what I'm saying and so especially in this generation I think you know there are some you know we all a lot of us come from broken families you know we know what it's like to to see families without fathers and without mothers and stuff and um you know god raised men up to to be leaders Amen. and we have a generation that's just plunging down and and spiraling down and getting worse and getting more every day it's like it's darker and darker and and because and and we were talking about last week that like you go to a lot of churches and you see a lot of times the women are there but the men aren't there, and, and the men that are there a lot of times are only there because their wives dragged them to church, right? It's like, like in a lot of cases, the men aren't leading their families towards godliness. It's the men aren't doing what God has called them to do, and that is to lead. And so <clears throat> hopefully in this series, we're going to just study about what it's like to be a man of God. And tonight, I want to talk about Samson. You guys have all heard about Samson, right? <clears throat> And I'm just going to read something out of Judges 2. You guys don't have to do, read there. But uh, we know that Judges comes after Joshua when, when uh, you know, God used Joshua to bring the people into the promised land, right? And after that, they begin to fight and, and against the enemies and stuff. And in Josh, Judges 2, verse 11, it says, Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord, or they turned away from the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them, and bowed themselves down to them. Thus they provoked the Lord to anger. So they forsook, or they turned away from the Lord, and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And then the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he gave them into the hands of plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies around them, so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Now God told Joshua, uh, when Joshua was entering into, entering into the promised land, he says, every place that the sole of your foot treads, I've already given it to you. And he told Joshua, I want you to go into the land, I want you to destroy the enemies and not leave any of them alive, because if you do, they will lead your hearts away from following me, right? And so God said, if you obey me, I will give you victory everywhere you go. But we see like time and time again, the people stopped following the Lord. And um, let me continue reading. It says, when it, wherever they went, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. And the Lord had spoken. And as the Lord had sworn to them, so they were severely distressed. In other words, the Lord let the enemies conquer them. The Lord let the enemies defeat them in battle, uh, come in and steal their crops, steal their women and things like that. So they were being defeated by their enemies. <coughs> Then the Lord raised up judges who delivered them from the hands of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they played the harlot after other gods and bowed themselves down to them. They turned aside quickly from the way in which their fathers had walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do as their fathers. 
When the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with that judge and delivered them from the hand of their enemies all the days of that judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed and afflicted them. But it, look at this. But it came about that when the judge died, they would turn back and act more corruptly than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and bow down to them and did not abandon their practices or their stubborn ways. So in the book of Judges, if you read the book of Judges, God continually raises up judges for them, right? When what happens is, is like the people sin against God, and so God lets them be destroyed, lets them be oppressed, lets them be um, um, in bondage to their enemies. And so in that bondage, they begin to cry out to the Lord, and so the Lord raises up judges for them. The judges would lead the people, lead the armies, and they would defeat their enemies, right? And so, while that judge was alive, they would follow the Lord, but as soon as the judge died, they would stop following the Lord. They'd go back to their own ways. And so the point there is, again, when God would raise up men of God, men who, who lived, who not only talked the talk, but they walked the walk, and they lived godly lives, and they led the people, they would defeat their enemies. And I think that, again, what we have in the church now is we have, we, we have a very few true men of God that are leading the people of God and say in leading the next generation the young kids that are coming up and says this is the way to follow the Lord right and leading again not just by words but by example and stuff and so that's where we are in the book of Judges and in Judges 13 verse 1 <clears throat> God is about to raise up another judge he says, Now the sons of Israel again did evil on the side of the Lord, so that the Lord gave him into the hands of the Philistines for forty years. There was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had borne no children. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, You are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and give birth to a son. So there's this woman. And back in those times when you were an Israelite woman, your whole purpose was to raise children, okay? If you read the Old Testament, any woman that couldn't have children was, was mocked, was put down, was looked down upon by all the other women and stuff because basically it was the function of the women, the God-given function of the women to raise up the next generation, right? Um, basically, it started with Eve and the Adam in the Garden of Eden and God said, you're going to raise children and one point at some time, your seed the seed of the woman is going to rise up and destroy Satan, all right? And so that was their purpose, the Jewish woman, to raise women. So there's this Jewish woman who's trying, been trying to have children, and she has no children, and so she feels abandoned by God, right? And so then the angel of the Lord comes and begins to speak to her and says, God's going to give you a child. In verse 6, he says, Now therefore be careful to, uh, not to drink wine or strong drink, or eat any unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and give birth to the son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. You guys have heard about Nazarites before? Yeah. Okay. So the Nazarite, the word Nazarite means, um, um, it says separated, it's, the word Nazarite means consecrated or separated. And the Bible says we as New Testament believers, we're to be separated from sin, right? We're to be consecrated unto the Lord. But we're going to look at the life of Sam, Samson and we're going to see a person of, we're going to see a story of someone who was consecrated outwardly, but inwardly his heart wasn't consecrated to the Lord, 
right? Again, he was walking the walk, but he wasn't talking, I mean, he was talking the talk, but he wasn't walking the walk. And this was the person that God gifted, God called from the womb. God, before he was even born, God comes to his mother and says, I'm going to, the son is going to be born to you. He's going to be a Nazarite all of his days. He's going to be separated unto the Lord. He's going to be called by God to do great things. And we're going to see what he does with that. So in verse 6, Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God, very awesome, and I did not ask him where he came from, nor did he tell me. Um, look at verse, uh, verse 7. But he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son, and you shall not drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Now, when the Old Testament, <laughs> the Bible, everything in the Old Testament happened to those guys in real ways, right? But for us, they're spiritual examples, right? So when, when the Bible, if the Bible in, when it talks about us not drinking strong wine or strong drink, it means not being influenced by other things, right? What's the New Testament say? It says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. And so basically it's talking about don't be influenced by the things of this world. Don't be influenced by all these other things, but be influenced, be filled with the Holy Spirit. OK, so that was the whole purpose. She's saying he, the angel of the Lord's telling her, you're going to have a son. He's going to be dedicated to the Lord. He's going to be consecrated to the Lord. Don't let him be influenced by all these other things. Let him be filled with the spirit of God, because God's got a calling and a purpose on his life. OK. Um, look in, uh, so ter look at uh, chapter 14. I'm going to look at verse 24 at the end of verse uh, chapter 13. Then the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtel. So again, God's got a purpose for this man's life, right? Even from the very, from his womb, God has called him. God's going to use him. But God says there's stipulations, right? He needs to be separated. He needs to be consecrated. His life is to be fully given unto me, okay? Look at this in 14 verse 1. Now this is when Samson has grown up. It says, Then Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines. So he came back and he told his father and mother, I saw a woman in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines. Now get her for me as a wife. And then his father and his mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you, you go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But, his, but Samson said to his father, Go get her for me, for she looks good to me. Now I want to read a scripture in Deuteronomy 7. In Deuteronomy 7, verse 1, God is already telling the people in Deuteronomy before they ever entered the promised land, He was telling them what was going to happen, right? And he was telling them how to behave, what to do once you, once you, once you entered the promised land. <clears throat> and in Deuteronomy 7, verse 1, it says, When the Lord, this is Moses speaking to the people. Do you want, you got it? Uh-huh. Okay. okay. Uh, verse. verse 1. 
It says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land where you are entering to possess it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them before you and you defeat them, you shall utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them and show no favor to them. Furthermore, you shall not intermarry with them. You see that? So God says, before they even enter the promised land, God says, don't intermarry with them. He says, you shall not give your sons to their, you shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor shall you take their daughters for your sons. Look at this in verse four. It says, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will quickly destroy you. You see that? And so God had already commanded them, when you go into the promised land, don't intermarry with them. Why? Because they, they were serving idols. They were, fought, they were worshiping demons. A lot of them even sacrificed babies through fire to their gods and things. And so God told them, before you enter in, don't intermarry with them. Don't mix with them because if you do, they're going to turn your heart away from following you. And so while we're reading this, we're starting to get a glimpse into who Samson is, right? Because again, from even before he was born, he was supposed to be consecrated to the Lord, right? But we see that he has weaknesses and he has places in his heart that aren't totally given to God. There's places in his heart that he's keeping for himself. So, <clears throat> so verse 4 says, however, his father and mother did not know that it was the Lord seeking an occasion against the Philistines. Now, at that time, the Philistines were ruling over Israel. So the story goes on that they go and get the, the woman for Samson. It says, uh, verse 5, Then Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came as far as the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion came roaring toward him. Verse 6, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily so that he tore the lion as one tears a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. You see that? Are you a, a wow. Deuteronomy? Oh, uh, Judges 14. Sorry, bro. And that's verse 6. <clears throat> so it says that the Spirit of the Lord came on Samson. You see, every movie that you see about Samson, he's... he's like Louis, right? He's big and he's muscular and he's strong. I don't think he was that way at all. No, look at this. Uh, yeah, look at this scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Hold your place there in Judges. So uh, we're in Judges. Uh, uh huh. Judges 14. 14? Yeah. First Sorry, I'm just kind of rushing through this because there's, there's kind yeah, of a lot to, to go through. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1. Okay. Verse 26. And over and over in the Bible, and as, as we continue to read the story of, of Samson, you'll see that every time he did something, it says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and then he did it. And what I believe is I believe that Samson was just like you and I are, right? The Bible says in James 5, I think it is, that Elijah was a man just like we are, Right? But he prayed, and the Lord shut up the heavens for three and a half years, and then he prayed again, and the Lord opened the heavens. But the point is, is the Bible says he was just like us. And the Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus was a man just like us, and he was tempted, and so that he knows how to understand our weaknesses when we're tempted and things. And so in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26... 
It says, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, and the base things of the world and the despised. God has chosen the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are. Do you see that? And so over and over through the word of God, God picks things that are weak to show himself strong. And so I don't think, I don't think Samson at all was like Louis, big and muscular. I think he was just your average type of guy, right? Because it doesn't tell you that through his own strength or through his own power, he defeated the lion or, or anybody else. It says the spirit of the Lord came on him and then he did these things. And that's the way with us. God wants to use every one of us. Every one of us have gifts and abilities. Is if we yield ourselves over to the Lord, he will use us and he'll do mighty things through us, right? And God, and, and we look at our weaknesses sometimes. We look at our, our fallings and the thing in our past. And we look at, you know, I'm, I don't, you know, have this ability or I don't have that ability. God doesn't care. All God cares about is if our hearts are consecrated to him, if our hearts are sanctified and we're seeking him with all of our hearts, he will fill us. The Bible says, open your mouth wide and I will fill you. You know, and if we just open ourselves up to the Lord, God will do great things for us. I mean, they might not be earth shattering or whatever, but you know, if one person gets saved through what we did, I mean, that's huge, right? It says all the angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner comes to the Lord. So if you speak into somebody's life and someone gets saved, I mean, that's an awesome, powerful thing. And we know that we can't save anyone ourselves, right? Or even someone that's experiencing some tribulation or someone that's experiencing a really tough time, someone that's in the house and they want to quit, you know, and you speak to them and the Lord builds them up and he strengthens them. These are all, I mean, things that God sees in heaven. These are the laying up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy, right? And so God sees all those things. But again, God wants to take our lives just like Samson. We don't look like these big muscular people or we don't look like these mighty soul winners or like, you know... Um, um, whoever, you know, Todd White or anybody, we don't look like that on the inside and we don't have to be. All we have to be is who God's created us to be, but he can still use us to touch people around us. And that's what this whole call is about. This whole call is not about, you know, trying to look religious, trying to go to church, trying to do all these things. The whole call of God is about, Lord, just take me and use me. Just take my life and do something with it. Okay, back to Judges 14. In verse 6, again, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, so that he tore through the lion as one tears a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell his father and mother what he had done. So he went down and talked to the woman, and she looked good to Samson. When he returned later to take her, he turned aside to look at the carcass of the lion. Um, go down to... Okay, so... Anyway, the story goes as he gets the woman, right? And then verse 15, so, and, and again, this is a Philistine woman, right? And so her brothers, her family are all Philistines, and Samson is, they're trying to destroy him, right? And that's the same with us. When you start following the Lord, I, I mean, you see all hell break out in your life, right? 
Because the powers of darkness, the enemies of God, want to destroy your life because they know that you have the potential to do great things for the Lord. And, and again, whether it looks great, sometimes the greatest things that we do, the most powerful things we do, no one will even see them, right? Except for the Lord. So, and then in verse 15, it says, Then it came about on the fourth day that, again, the Philistines are trying to get his wife to, to, um, to destroy him. It says, on the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, entice your husband so that he will tell us the riddle, or we will burn you and your father's house with fire. You see that? So now the demonic spirits are trying to threaten her. And again, just like with your mom, that's the way that demonic spirits work, right? They try to put fear in us. They try to intimidate us. You're following the Lord. You're trying to seek God. You're trying to do his will. Your mom's trying to follow him. What happens? She falls down and hits her head. Or she has these nightmares. And that's exactly what the enemy does. The Bible says in he, uh, uh, Ezekiel that anyone that turns aside from wickedness makes themselves a prey. And that's the thing. When we were living in the world, when we're living for our own lusts, when we're living for our own desires, the devil doesn't care about that. We're not a threat to you. him. Yeah, he's yeah. got you. Why, why fight against that? But as soon as you turn against that, he begins to attack you. And he begins to try to intimidate you and do things that intimidate you. If you keep following this way, I'm going to keep attacking your family. If you keep following this way, your car is going to fall apart. If you keep following this way, you're not going to be able to pay your rent. All these things, the devil comes and tries to intimidate us and tries to get us to stop following him. Or stop following the Lord. Verse 15, 16. Samson's wife wept for her before him and said, You only hate me and you do not love me. You have propounded a riddle to the sons of my people and you have not told it to me. And he, sold, he said, I have not even told my father and mother. Why should I tell you? And so again, <clears throat> remember what we, said, what we read is that if you mar marry, if you intermarry with these people, they're going to lead your heart away from the Lord. And so she's enticing him day after day, trying to get him to turn back, right? Same way with Job's wife. When all that stuff comes against Job, what does his wife say? Curse God and die, yeah. right? Same way with Eve in the garden. The devil used Eve to convince Adam to eat the fruit, right? And I, I'm not speaking against women or anything like that. I'm just saying that it, and it can be friends, right? And that's why when you come into the house or when you, when you used to party with all these friends, you used to smoke weed and, and do other drugs and, and chase women and look at porn and stuff like that, God says, you need to cut those relationships off because if you don't, they're going to lead your heart away, right? Because we're not, we, we think that we're stronger than we are, don't we? We think, well, hey, I'm, I'm strong. I'm, I can do whatever and stuff, and I'm going to be okay. And that's where so many people fall, and that's what Samson's problem was. And it's a problem. See, you, you read through the book of Judges, and, and we think that Samson's problem was lust. Samson's problem was not lust. His problem was pride. His problem was, I can do whatever I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. And I'm not going to listen to my parents. I'm not going to listen to the Spirit of God. I'm not going to listen to anybody that tries to tell me that I can't live my life the way that I want to live my life, right? And that is the downfall of every one of us. And that is pride. Because the Bible says that pride is like the sin of witchcraft. And it says pride goes before a fall. And it's that pride that says, you know, if I want this woman, I can have this woman, right? If I want my weed, I can have my weed. If I want to go get drunk, I can go get drunk. It's that pride that won't listen to the voice of reason. Um, 
Verse 17, however, she wept before him seven days while the feast lasted. And on the seventh day, he told her because she pressed him so hard. She then told, so Samson had this riddle and they're trying to figure it out. And she, he tells it to her and they tell it to him. So the men in the city uh, said to him on the seventh day before the sundown, what's sweet, in other words, they, they tell him what the riddle was. Verse 19, again, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of them, took their spoil, and gave the changes of clothes to those who told the riddle. And his anger burned, and he went up to the father's house. But Samson's wife was given to his companion, who had been his friend. So again, it's because the, it's because the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, right? Chapter 15, verse 1. And basically, I'm just rushing through this because there's so much. I wish that we had time to really kind of go over it slowly. But 15 verse 1. But after a while, in a time of wheat harvest, Samson visited his wife, which he gave to his friend, with a young goat and said, I will go into my, own, I will go into my wife in her room. But her father did not let him enter. Her father said, I really thought you hated her intensely, so I gave her to your companion. Is not her sister? So again, we're seeing the immaturity that's in Samson, right? Mm -hmm. His wife basically turned her back on him, so he just gave her to his friend, right? But now he's like, oh, well, you know, I changed my mind. I'm going to go back to her. So what we're looking at is we're looking at a person that's immature. And that's the thing in the body of Christ. We think that what's so important is the gifts of the Spirit. You know, God has given me this gift, this gift of prophecy, healing, tongues, whatever it is. God has given me this gift. And we may, or the gift of evangelism, whatever it is. And we major on these gifts. So many preachers, so many leaders in the body of Christ have giftings, but they don't have the fruit of the Spirit. And we major on the gifts of the Spirit, but God is more concerned about the fruit of the Spirit. Do you have the fruit of the Spirit? Peace, love, patience, kindness, goodness, all those things, right? And that's the thing. In so many churches, we think because we have the gifts of the Spirit that we can just wow people and we can impress people and stuff like that, that that's what God wants. God is not at all concerned about that. God is concerned in do you have the fruits of the Spirit in your life? Because we can talk to people, we can talk to people, and we can talk to people, but if there's not a reality in our lives, there's no fruit behind it. Right? And the words that we speak, if we are not living it, the words that we speak to people is nothing but death. It is not bringing life because death cannot make life happen. Only life can make things happen. And so Samson is a, uh, is a picture of someone that's immature, someone that has a gifting and a calling of God on his life, someone that God, he has so much potential. And God, God longs for him to walk in that potential, but instead he's living immaturely and he refuses to grow up you see all over the new testament how paul said i wish you were adults i wish you could eat the meat of the word and not just the milk i wish i could speak to you as men and not as babies right because they were selfish and immature you see it all in the new testament that's the main thing paul's saying grow up grow up in the things of god come to maturity don't stay in your immaturity Samson is staying in his immaturity and, and, and because of that, he's not, he's not living up to his potential. He's not living up to what God has called him to live up to. So um, in verse 3, Then Samson said to them, This time I will be blameless in regard to the Philistines when I do them harm. So it's kind of funny, even though, and this is the way of God. I mean, God, God did not will for Samson to be like this. 
And it was not God's desire for Samson to be like this, but Samson is still destroying the enemy, right? And so <clears throat> I think that the way God looks at that is like, yeah, I'm glad you're destroying the enemy. I'm glad that the powers of darkness, what did Jesus come from? He come for to destroy the works of Satan, right? And so Samson, Samson is doing some of that and he's being fruitful in small ways, but God is looking down and go, but if you would give it all to me, if you would sell out all of it and come to maturity, I could use you so much more powerfully, right? I mean, we've seen, we've all seen examples, right, of people that were, they were gifted that you knew could do awesome things if only they would dedicate themselves to it, right? My daughter, she has a beautiful singing voice, but she doesn't, yeah. she doesn't do anything with it. It's like, come on, do something with it, you know? That God gave you that voice to be used and stuff, and it's a shame. You know, it's a shame for any of us. It's a shame when we go back to our sins. It's a shame when we fall. It's a shame when we, we give ourselves over to the things that God has told us to be free from because God says, you're not living up to your potential. I've got so much more for you. But the thing is, is God will not give himself to us if we're living in rebellion. You know what I'm saying? God will give himself to us in the same measure that we give ourselves to him. Right? So if we sell out completely to him, he will give himself completely to us. And so Samson is giving him a little part. He's like, okay, I'm going to give you this part of my heart, but I'm going to save you the, the best part, right, for myself. So in verse, uh, in verse 4, Then Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took torches and turned the, and turned the foxes tail to tail. In other words, he tied the foxes' tails together and he put a torch in them, Right? Can you imagine, like, wild foxes, like, with, with a torch? They're going to freak out, right? So he takes these 300 foxes, he ties them tail to tail, and he puts torches in their tails, and these foxes freak out. And then he sends them into the fields. Now, again, we just read that it's harvest time, right? Mm -hmm. Now, in their society, they didn't have grocery stores. And in their society, the only thing that they had was the harvest, and that harvest had to last them all year until the next harvest. And if there were now, if, if something happened, if the crops got destroyed, they didn't have anything else. They were, they were in trouble, right? Okay, so Samson sets them free into the fields. And he says in verse 5, When he had set fire to the torches, he released the foxes into the standing grain of the Philistines, thus burning up both the shocks and the standing grain along with the vineyards and the groves. So, I mean, these... They just totally wrecked the Philistines' crops. And they're, I mean, so, I mean, it's like stirring up a hornet, right? I mean, he is just really <laughs> making people mad. Verse 6, Then the Philistines said, Who did this? And they said, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he took his wife and gave her to his companion. So the Philistines came up and burned her, his ex-wife, and her father with fire. Then Samson, and again, you see the pettiness in, in, in Samson, right? And stuff, and it's like, it's like road rage. It's like, oh, you did this to me? Well, I'm going to do this to you. What's the New Testament say? We are to forgive, right? And we're to have mercy, but there's no mercy in this heart. Again, he's not allowing the fruit of the Spirit. He's just, allow, he's just operating through his flesh and through his own desires. Um, verse 7, Samson said to them, Since you act like this, I will surely take revenge on you. And after that, I will quit. Verse 8, he struck them ruthlessly with a great slaughter, and he went down and lived in the cleft of the rock of Etam. Then the Philistines went up and camped in Judah and spread out in Lehi. The men of Judah said, 
Why have you come up against us? So again, the enemies are coming against the people of Israel now. And because this one person stirred them up. And, and, they're saying, and now they're, they're coming against Judah and they're saying, why are you doing this to us? And they said, we have come up to bind Samson or to tie him up in order to do to him as he did to us. Then 3,000 men of Judah went down from the cleft of the rock of Edom and said to Samson, do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What then is this that you have done to us? And he said to them, as they did to me, so I have done to them. Now look at this again. They said, um, do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? The people of Israel, God's people, were not to be ruled by anybody but God alone. Right? Again, it was because of their sins, because they sinned against God, that he allowed them to be ruled over by their enemies. God says, if you follow me, that won't happen. And so, again, they're, they're getting mad at Samson, but that's not the problem. The problem is, is that they had sinned against the Lord. And they need to repent. What does it say in Second Chronicles seven fourteen? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. But they're not doing that. They're putting the blame on Samson. Verse twelve says, "Then they then they said to him, We've come down to bind you so that we may give you into the hands of the Philistines.' And Samson said to me, Swear to me that you will not kill me." So they said, no, but we will bind you and give you into their hands. Yet surely we will not kill you. Then they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted as they met him. And again, look at this. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily so that the ropes that were on his arms were as flax that is burned with fire and his bonds dropped from his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey and he reached out and took it and killed a thousand men with it. You see that? So again, it's wow. when the spirit of the Lord comes on him and he just wreaks out, you know, havoc on him. And you know, that's the thing too. It's like, you know, when we are truly following the Lord and we're seeking him with all of our heart. Now, the weapons of our warfare are what? Prayer, right? Worship, things like that. Um, and, you know, in the Old Testament, they had physical enemies. They had the Philistines, they had the Ammonites, the Canaanites, and all that, right? So whenever, and, and people have problems with that a lot of times. They're like, well, the Old Testament seems like so violent and bloody, and they had to kill all these people. Well, here's the thing. In the Old Testament, their enemies were physical, literal enemies. In the New Testament, who are our enemies? In Ephesians 6, In verse 12, it says, you there? Yes. Okay. It says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. You see that? Experience. Yeah. And so, and, and. You know, and, and that manifests itself in, in sin, right? Um, like, okay, so like the junkie that we see and stuff, it's like, okay, he is in sin, but there's spirits involved in that too, right? There's demonic spirits that, that they don't force us to sin, but they tempt us to sin, right? All the sin in, that is in the world is, is temptations from the enemy, right? And the Bible says that we're to resist those and stuff. And so... And it says that, 
It says that these scriptures were written for our instruction so that we could understand. And so when we say that they were fighting against the enemies, we still fight just as hard against the enemies. But the enemies that we fight against are lust. The enemies, like look at our country, all the demonic spirits that bind this country, you know, the pride and the selfishness, the, you know, the drugs, the porn, all this stuff that our country is just filled with, all this sin is because of demonic spirits. And we don't see sometimes that when we're in prayer, when we fast, when we're seeking the Lord, we're tearing down strongholds. And we are fighting. We are literally fighting against those enemies and we're having an impact. And that's why we as men of God have to believe that the, when I am in prayer, when I'm praying, my prayers have power and it's destroying the powers of darkness, right? Because without faith, we can do nothing, right? It says if, we're, if we don't have faith, we're like someone that's just tossed about by the waves. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's the thing. But when we do have faith and we're warring in the spirit, we are tearing down strongholds. So when we read this stuff, for us, it's a spiritual battle. For them, it was a physical battle. But for us, it's a spiritual battle, but it's just as real. And we're fighting just as hard and we're taking land every day, right? We're capturing the enemies and we're, we're, we're seeing God, God's kingdom come and God's kingdom destroying the powers of darkness. Okay, so... Um, it says in ver the last verse of, of chapter 15, it says, So he judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines. And in 16 verse 1, it says, Now Samson went to Gaza, and he saw a harlot there, and he went into her. And when it was told the Gazites, saying, Samson has come here and surrounded this place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of this city. So again, so Samson goes into this prostitute and stuff. So, but again, Samson's sin, now, I'm, now he did have lust too, but his sin was that he thought he could do anything that he wanted to when he wanted to do it. If he wanted a girl, he's going to have that girl. If he wants to go fight against the Philistines, he's going to go fight against the Philistines. If he wants revenge, he's going to get revenge, right? And so again, he is fleshly, he is immature, and he's not growing up in the things of Christ. He's staying immature when God wants him to be mature. It says, uh, when the Gazites saying, Samson's come here, they surrounded the place and laid in wait all night at the gate of the city, and they kept silent all night, saying, Let us wait until the morning light, then we'll kill him. Now Samson laid until midnight, and at midnight he arose and took hold of the door doors of the city gate and the two posts, and he pulled them up along with the bars. Then he put them on his shoulders, and he carried them up to the top of the mountain, which is opposite of Hebron. So he gets up, and he rips the gates of the city out, and he just kind of walks off, right? He just, I mean, they're laying in wait for him. And, he, and it reminds me of a story when it talks about Jesus. It says that the crowds wanted to stone Jesus, but he just walked through them and passed through. And again, that's the spirit of the Lord, right? I mean, he was, he was just able to walk through them untouched and stuff. And so here's Samson. He just rips the gates of the city and just takes off and just does his, you know, just takes off, you know. It says in verse 4, After this it came about that when he, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. So here's another woman. Uh, and it says, And then the lords of the Philistines, and again, this is a Philistine woman, right? It says, The lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and see where his great strength lies, and how we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. Then we will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Now, I find that pretty fascinating in that how many pieces of silver did they get for Jesus? 
They give 1,100 pieces of silver for Samson. They only gave 30 for Jesus. That's pretty crazy, huh? So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength is and how you may be bound to afflict you. Now listen to that. I mean, look, tell me where your strength is and how, how can we tie you up so we can afflict you? And instead of running from that, he's, yeah. he's, he's indulging it, right? And that's the nature of sin, isn't it? I mean, we think that sin is just this, like, this blatant thing. I'm going to, you know, do this drug and you're going to be hooked forever. Sin does not do that. Sin says, look, I'm enticing. I'm, I'm, I'm awesome. Now, you know, there's a chance that you can get, you know, hooked. you can get hooked, you know, but it's not going to happen to you, right? Yeah. And the Bible says we're to flee temptation, right? It doesn't say you're supposed to question it. What does the Bible say? Resist the devil and he will flee from you? No, it says submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Right? And a lot of us are resisting the devil, but we're not submitting to God first. If you don't submit to God, then it's not, it doesn't do any, any good to resist the devil. How many people do we know that are trying to fight drugs, trying to fight temptation, but they have no power? They can't fight it because they're still in the world and they don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't have God living in them, giving them the strength to overcome. Right? They don't have the armor of God. Exactly, bro. And so, yeah, you got to have the shield of faith, right? You got to have the armor because otherwise you're naked in the battle. And if you're naked in the battle, you're not going to last very long. It's like a soldier going to the battle with no gun, no bullets. Exactly. The enemy is coming and he's going to destroy you. Right. And and the thing is, is someone that's wise sees that and says, I can't go into battle naked. I can't go and fight against this without help and stuff. But Samson is so filled with pride, he's so filled with his, his own sense of whatever, that he's like, I can do anything. And so he's not afraid of the temptation. He's not afraid of anything that can happen to him in his pride. Again, what does Proverbs 15 one? Pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. I think the fact that he's so powerful, he's probably... It's gone to his head, huh? It's gone to his head. Yeah. Look, we probably think, I can rip a lion. I can do this, I can do that. Yeah, and that's the way the giftings, the gifts are of the Lord and stuff. And how many preachers have we seen that they have amazing gifts, right? And they're able to like do all these things for the Lord and stuff. And then you find out that behind the scenes they're sleeping with all these women, and they're falling, you know, or they're into you know all kinds of stuff. So, in verse um, verse five says uh, again, no, verse six again. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength is and how you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, and Samson's just toying with her, right? And again, it's like how we toy with sin. It's like, oh, you know, a little bit of weed's not going to hurt me. A little bit of getting... So it says, Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh cords that have not been dried, then I will become weak like, and be like any other man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought her, brought up to her seven fresh cords that had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Again, this woman that he's with is actively trying to destroy him. And that's the way sin is. Sin will destroy you. Sin wants to destroy your walk with God. Sin wants to destroy who you are. Because again, Satan doesn't want you to meet your potential. And instead of running from that, he's toying with it. 
It says, now, verse 9, Now she had men laying in wait in the inner room, and she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So again, she ties him up with these cords, and she goes, Oh, the Philistines are here. Thinking that they got her, right? Or they got him. So it says, and then so it says, But he snapped the cords as a string of toe snaps when it touches fire, so his strength was not to cover, discovered. Again, so... <laughs> Again, if that's me, if I find out some woman, some person is trying to destroy me, I'm going to get away from that person. But in verse 10, it says, Then Delilah said to Samson, so Samson staying with her, it says, Behold, you have deceived me and now told me lies. Now, please tell me how you may be bound. And he said to her, If they bind me tightly with new ropes which have not been used, then I will become weak and be like any other man. So Delilah took new ropes, and I don't know if she's doing this while he's asleep or what's going on. Maybe she gets him drunk. And how can he not fall for that? Yeah. How can he not see that? And that's the thing. You know, we look at people. That's you know, It's true. so easy for us to look at people's lives and go, how is this person not knowing that they're being deceived? Until we get in that place, and then the other people are going, how does this person not know that he's being deceived, right? We're, we're all susceptible to that, and that's why we need brothers to tell us the truth. Look, dude, the, vice, the, the things that you're doing are not good. If you keep doing these things, it's going to destroy your life, right? And that's why we need the Spirit of God. That's why we need fellowship. And that's why we need to be walking with the Lord and not toying with sin. Verse, um, so Delilah took new ropes in verse 12 and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. For the men were lying in wait in the inner room, but he snapped the rope, the rope so his, with his, from his arms like a thread. And again, she is letting people into their house. It's like, you know, uh, yeah, it's like, dude, come on, man. They're in your house. Who, how did they get there? She let them in. She let them in. Like she's mocking you. Yeah, and she is complete. You know, honestly, guys, before. The Philistines are attacking you. Yeah. Before. How did they get into the house? Yeah. Before, before I got saved, I used to go to strip clubs and things. And it's like. The realization came to me that this person does not care about me. Yeah. Right? I mean, you, you, you have these self-delusions that think, oh, this girl's dancing for me. Right? Or even prostitutes. This, this woman really likes me. No, they don't. You're nothing but more than a dollar to them. Yeah. And, so, and that's the world, man. The world gives us this fake stuff that looks, I mean, you look at the streetwalkers and they're beautiful and, and things, but it's nothing but a trap. They don't care about you. You know, they're just, all they see is a dollar sign. And that's all this woman saw is because the Philistines were paying her, right? They were giving her something and stuff. And so all Samson was to her was a dollar. And it's like, how many people in the world have relationships that are based on convenience, right? What this person does for me. Right. You know, it's like before, you know, when you're in drugs, when you're in weed, it's like, yeah, you know, we're weed buddies and stuff. And you're buddies because you've got good connections, right? But as soon as one of, one of them gets busted, they start singing like a canary, right? Oh, it's Dean. He's the one that got it, Right? And that's the way it is. I mean, it's like, no, man, we love you, brother. You were, we're all tight and we're all good. As soon as, until something goes wrong and then they turn immediately. And that's the way of the world and yeah, stuff. She, she plays the victim in this. Exactly, know. right? Oh, I'm so, so innocent. Yeah. 
And she's like toying with his motions. She's, oh. she's the one, that's, she's the one that's mocking him. Exactly. And telling him lies. Yeah. And it, it, it's really kind of sad, you know? And, and he's, he's trying to put it all brown, no brains. Yeah. You yeah. know, basically. Yeah. And so, yeah. It's like relationships where, like, where people are in relationships and the other person's messing around on them and stuff. It's like, why would you stay in a relationship yeah. like that? Yeah. Why? Because it's all a facade. Well, and it's because sometimes we, we, we are damaged inside and we feel like, oh, I'm so needy. I can't be without this. There are millions of other fish in the sea. You know, yeah. you have to respect yourself. Well, a lot of times people don't want to be by themselves. So rather That's true. So again, it's about convenience, right? And so because of convenience, I'll let you abuse me. You know, it's like, it's like people that stay in abusive relationships. Abusive because of relationships. convenience, yeah. I will stay in this relationship with you. Yeah. No, get out. Have respect for yourself. And God has given us a God-given respect to not put ourselves in situations like that, right? I mean, we're not, you know, God doesn't want us to love ourselves and put ourselves on pedestals, but there is a godly love for ourselves where God wants us to treat ourselves as his children, right? We're valuable because he loves us. We're valuable because He created us. And God does not create trash. Amen. Right? And so God wants us to value ourselves the way He does and to respect ourselves enough not to allow ourselves to be just dumped on and thrown up on by the world. Yeah. So, I saw this. I saw this. It wasn't a meme. It was a, it was a fact. It, said, it had a picture of, of a snowflake uh -huh. like zoomed in. And there was a couple of snowflakes, and they all were different. Yeah. And there, there's so much detail in them. And it said, if God's going to put so much detail into snowflakes, imagine how much He values values yeah. you. That's good. Bro. How many yeah. detail, how much detail He puts on yeah, this snowflake, and you see it, you zoom it, yeah, it's yeah. beautiful, yeah, yeah. perfect, yeah. 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 And that's that was wow. the whole thing. If yeah. God's and that's so how God detail, looks at us, huh? Yeah. <laughs> And sometimes, like, we look at ourselves and all we see is our faults and we see yeah. our, you know, yeah. all our junk and stuff like that. God's like, no, no. Yeah. I have to remind myself constantly that, you know, not everyone knows my past. Yeah. You know, nobody does. Yeah. Except for me. He's giving him this sob story, working on his emotions. Doesn't the devil do that with us, too? Remember your friends that you used to party with? They miss you. Oh, you were so good. <laughs> Says, and he said to her, if you weave the seven locks of my head, hair, sorry. Okay, so he says, if you weave the seven locks of my hair with a web and fasten it with a pen, then I will become weak and be like any other man. So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks. I mean, I would be paranoid at this point. I would be like, what is this woman going to do? Yeah, yeah. So it says, while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks of his hair and wove them into a web, and she fastened them with a pin and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke with his sleep and pulled out the pin of the loom and the web. So it's like, no big deal, you know, what's about them? Yeah. It says, then she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have deceived uh -huh. me these three times and not told me where your great strength is. I, you know, and so many of us use that word love. And it's not love, so, it's like it's I vanity. fell madly in lust with this person or yeah, something, you know what I'm saying? It's all vanity. It, it is, you know? True love is laying down your True life. True love is from a puppy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Verse 16, it came about when she pressed him daily with her words. Now again, this is the way temptation does. Again, and that's what, the thing about resisting temptation. Know that you can resist it, but it's going to come back, right? The Bible talks about when, when the devil led Jesus into the wilderness and he, after Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, Satan left, led him into the wilderness to be tempted, right? And it says, you know, and after Jesus answered him and, and, and stood against all his temptations, it says, then the devil left him for an, another opportune time. Wow. And that's the way the devil was with us. And he doesn't attack us when we're guarding, right? He doesn't attack us when we're strong. He attacks us when we're weak. Right? But know for certain that when the devil tempts us with something and he knows what we're weak about, he knows what we're susceptible about, right? And so he will continue to come and to come and to come until we have completely overcome. And I believe that there's a place in the Lord where we can completely overcome sins, right? Not, I'm not saying all sin or anything like that, but I'm talking about, you know how we have these strongholds in our hearts, right? I believe that if we continue seeking the Lord and keep fighting against those, that we can overcome those to where they're not the temptation that they used to be. I'm not saying that you won't be completely, you know, shielded, but there's a point in your life where something that used to be impossible is now like, nah, right? Yeah. And stuff. But it, it comes as we fight against the enemy. Every time we resist, it makes us stronger. Every time we give in, it makes us weaker. So again, in verse 16, it came about when she pressed him daily with her words, constant annoying, constant attacking, and urged him that his soul was annoyed to death. He's like, oh my gosh, I can't stand this. But instead of leaving the situation, he still stays, right? It's like, come on. And that was the Lord trying to get him to leave that situation, right? And how many times are we in bad situations that the Lord's just making it terrible? Like I quit drink, I quit drinking and doing drugs before I got saved, because I couldn't. I just got to where I could. I hated it. I hated that lifestyle. It's like, is this all there is to life? Just getting drunk every day? Is this all there is to life? Just getting stoned every day? It's like, why? What? What is the purpose of this existence? And so before I even became a Christian, I got sick of that kind of thing. And again, I think it was the Lord was working on me trying to, and he does that. He right. makes the stuff that we love, he makes that stuff, you know, just turn against us and stuff. Were you going to say something there? Oh, okay. Um, okay, so it came about when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him that his soul was annoyed to death. So he told her, look at this, all that was in his heart. And he said to her, Razor has never come on my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I will become weak and be like any other man. And so, and here's the thing. He finally gets in. Yeah, the strength wasn't in his hair. He gave in because what? Right. And, but the problem is, is he didn't escape it. He, he stayed with it. And so, again, the, the thing is, is the strength was not in his hair. The hair was just a representation of his consecration to the Lord, right? Because he had taken that Nazarite vow, and this is just an outward manifestation of what that looks like, right? So his hair didn't mean anything. What was meant, what meant was the, the consecration to the Lord. And that was, just, that was just kind of an outward expression of it. Uh, so when, in verse 18, when Delilah saw that he had told her all that was in his heart, she sent and called the Lord of the Philistines, and said, come up here once more, for he has told me all that's in his heart. 
Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. So again, she was a prostitute in more than one way, right? She made him sleep on her knees and called for a man who had him shave off the seven locks of his hair and began to afflict him and his strength left him. And again, I don't know if she got him drunk or what, you know, and stuff. It doesn't really tell us. But she shaved off his, his hair and then she begins to afflict him, right? Again, this person that he stuck with, this person that, you know, he had been loyal to, which he shouldn't have been, he, she's once again afflicting him, she, Right? Then, then she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he woke from his sleep and said, look at this. I will go out as I did at other times and shake myself free. I'm just going to get up and I'm just going to go do what I did before. I'm going to totally destroy these Philistines. They're going to look like idiots. And I'm just going to do my thing. Look at this. It says, but he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Wow. Right? So again, the ability wasn't that he was this massive person. The ability wasn't that he was strong. The ability was the Lord in him. Amen. Verse 21, Then the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes, and they brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze chains, and he was a grinder in the prison. Now, what you've all seen the pictures of like uh, when the mules would, would, lead the, would walk in the circles and it would grind the grain and stuff like yeah. that. So basically, Samson's one of these mules now. He's walking in this circle and he's grinding the grain. It says, however, the hair of his head began to grow again after it was shaved off. Now the lords of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to rejoice for, their said, for they said, our god has given Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their god, for they said, our god has given our enemy into our hands, even the destroyer of our country, who has slain many of us. Right? So again, I don't think the Bible tells us, but I think Samson killed a lot more Philistines than it says, right? It says in verse 20, and so basically now Samson's just become just a joke, right? He's, 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 he's under bondage, right? He's under chains and stuff. Now the enemy has got him under bondage. And that's the way we are. Again, if we as believers, we willfully say we're going to live in sin, we don't care what happens. God will allow the enemy to bind us, right? If we, give, if we begin to give ourselves over to the sins that we, we used to practice and stuff like that, God will let them have us and stuff. And the enemy will make sport of us. He'll, he'll laugh at us, make us a laughing stock, right? Verse 25, it so happened that when they were in high spirits that they said, call for Samson that he can amuse us. In other words, we can laugh at him. We can make jokes about him. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he entertained them, and they made him stand between two pillars. Then Samson said to the boy who was holding his hand, let me fill the pillars on which, um, on which the house rests that I may lean against them. You guys that are builders, you know about load-bearing load walls and stuff like that, right? So these are load-bearing pillars that he's talking about. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there, and about 3,000 men and women were on the roof looking on while Samson was amusing them. Look at this in verse 28. Now Samson... Yeah. Well, you, you've seen these, like the, yeah. the old Mediterranean buildings right. with the roofs, but they were all empty on the inside, right? Yeah. Yeah, so they're, they're all sitting on the top and stuff, like, like, kind of like a balcony. Look at this in verse 28. So Samson now begins to repent. 
He begins to cry out to the Lord. He begins, now finally he's starting, even though his physical eyes are gone, now he can begin to see. And now he begins to call on the Lord. And now he begins to find repentance. He begins to find true humility. What does the Bible say? Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. So before Samson was exalting himself, Samson was magnifying himself and he wasn't exalting the Lord. Now Samson is humbling himself before God and, and he's repenting. And so God sees that now. 28, then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me just this one time. O God, that I may be avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Do you see that? So again, it's, it's the fact that he begins to call out to the Lord. Now he's not doing it in his own strength and his own power anymore. He's not doing it Samson's way. Now he's calling to the Lord. Lord, strengthen me. It's up. It says, and then verse 29, Samson grabs grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested and braced himself against them, the one with his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bent with all his might so that the house fell on the lords and all the people who were in it, so that the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he killed in his life. You see that? And so, um, I look at the story of Samson and I see someone that had potential, right? And God has created each one of us with potential. But the question is, are we going to live up to that potential or are we going to be half in the world and half in the things of God, right? Are we going to truly seek the Lord and, or are we going to... You know, so many of us as believers live in our own strength, in our own power, right? We don't need the Lord. I can do this myself, right? I don't need God's help on this. And so a lot of times there's still a lot of pride in us as men, right? Because we know what we can do. We know our abilities and a lot of us can do, you know, things. We have gifts, we have abilities and stuff like that. And what we forget is that it's the Lord that gave us that ability. And he gave us that ability for a purpose and that purpose is to glorify him. And so, again, what this world needs right now is men of God who are going to fulfill what God has called them for, who are going to live their lives completely for Him. And when we do that, the world around us is going to see that and they're going to say, man, I want to be like that guy, right? Because that's the thing. We all grew up and we all looked up at certain men, didn't we? We looked at certain men and we're like, I want to be like that guy, right? And the problem with the church today is there's very few men that the kids, that the younger generations can look at and say, yeah, I want to be like that guy, right? And so God has created us as men to live our lives in a way that's going to, you know, change people around us, right? But the only way that that's going to happen is if we lay down our pride, we lay down the things that we want, and we're not half in, half out, playing with a little sin on the side, but seeking God over here, but seeking God at all times and truly giving Him our hearts and being what we are in private, what we appear to be in public, right? Not having this Christian face that we put on so that everybody can see us when we go out in public, but when we get behind closed doors, we're a whole different person, right? And uh, so, yeah. That's what I wanted to share. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks,